and welcome to episode number 140 of the DBSA podcast. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and with me today is Jane from Dear Author, and we're talking about Romantic Times. Next week is the Romantic Times Book Lovers Convention in Dallas. Both Jane and I and all of my posse at Smart Bitches will be there. It's kind of like the Dragon Con for romance readers. It doesn't have the multimedia television and movie presence of Comic-Con, but it's a bunch of people taking a week off of work and taking a vacation all about books. What could possibly be bad about that, right? It's pretty amazing. So we talk about if you're a first-timer going to RT this year, what to expect, who to look for, who to talk to, specifically anyone and everyone you'd like to talk to, how to make friends, very easy, and what sort of things we're looking forward to. We also talk about what we're reading, and I attempt to hesitantly recommend a book to Jane because usually that does not ever end well. This podcast is brought to you by Intermix, publisher of Chanel Clayton's Flirting with Scandal, the first novel in a brand new series set in Washington, D.C., starring three sisters, the secrets they keep, and a powerful blog with a knack for exposing scandals. You can download that on May 19th. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. I'll have information at the end of the podcast. Should you be curious as to who this is and wish to buy it for your very own. And now, on with the podcast. So, let's talk about our tea. All right. So, we have our... Is this the third time that we're doing this blogger thing? I can't remember. I think it's the third. But I could be wrong. It might be the fourth, but I'm pretty sure it's the third. I have no concept of time. As far as I know, RT from 2003 was last month, and RT from 2004 was like a couple weeks ago. Like I have no concept of time passing, but I'm pretty sure this is the third. At least I only have two sets of last year's and the years before's notebooks in my house, if that's any indicator. So yeah, definitely at least the third. And what do we have planned this year? Oh, <laughs> Well, due to feedback from last year, which is not, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this, but bloggers have opinions, like strong opinions about things. It's pretty awesome. So we have a schedule that focuses on sort of the three main things that I think book bloggers are curious about and want to learn more about, which is how to interact with publishers how do you get on lists to, re to receive ARCs? How do you get on lists to find out about blog tours or blog hops or blog shenanigans and all the other blog things that publishers like to do? We're going to talk about revenue and affiliate sales and how to potentially make money blogging, which is an opportunity for a lot of people, depending on what affiliate programs you use. And we're also going to talk about technology and organization. And that's where we have outside speakers. We also have um, Jay from Joyfully Jay, who was a podcast guest. She's going to talk about blog tours and blog tour operators. Th this is something that she was emailing with me about. And I was like, what are you? Nobody emails me. Apparently, there are all of these different blog tour operators who constantly email her and bloggers that she knows about setting up blog tours to promote authors and pr promote new releases. And... There are some that Jay really, really likes working with, and there are some that they, she gets really frustrated, I think, dealing with their perspective because there's, and I know you've run into this, there's a sense that among some people that perhaps bloggers exist solely to promote books, that 
we sort of sit around waiting for people to say, here is a book that you should talk about. And we'll go, okay, great, we'll talk about this book. So th there's this sense that we are just waiting for more content and that we will accept content from anybody who has a book to promote, which is not necessarily the case. So Jay's gonna talk about blog tour operators and making sure that if you participate in a blog tour, that you get the most out of hosting someone and that they get what they're looking for as well, which is presumably more exposure and a reach into a new audience for their book. Uh, and I do think that there are some bloggers that uh, do exist to run tours or to run tour content and so forth for the sole purpose of obtaining um, free reads for which they um, you know, do reviews and do promotion. But I do think that there is a, a certain set of um, bloggers that do do that. And I, so the, the challenge, I suppose, is communicating with the blog tour people that you're working with that you have different requirements. Um, and that's, I think one, I think if you get on, because we're on a couple tour uh, lists and um, I uh, just delete those emails whenever they ask for a blog tour because we rarely participate in them unless it's a book that we really love. And then it's just kind of a happenstance that we're participating in the blog tour. Um, and blog tours that uh, have, you know, 100 plus blogs involved uh, is very different than, you know, some of them that are limited to um, exclusive content because an author can't write 100 pieces of exclusive content. Uh, no. And, <laughs> So, uh, so there are blogs that ex exclusively exist to do that. Although I think most of those blogs um, will post um, a review along with it, um, along with the tour information. And I think these days it's probably just incumbent upon uh, the blogger to communicate to the tour person, "Hey, that's this is kind of what I'm looking for out of the blog tour." And uh, if the tour host isn't responsive to your communications, then I just delete those emails in the future. I mean, I guess it all really depends on how badly the reader wants that or the blogger wants that review copy, because I feel like that's the currency of the blog tour. Definitely true. And I think that it's if you're a new blogger, there are so many different models to follow. There are so many different kinds of book blogs that it can be really confusing to figure out what you want to do because it's very easy to say, okay, well, everyone's doing this one thing. I should do that too. It was a little hard for me to decide I really don't want to host blog tours. I don't really want to host promotional content. And it it was actually very difficult for me to say to people, thank you for emailing me, but I don't host blog tours and I don't host promotional content at the time because I felt like, well, gosh, you know, am I, am I, am I turning down something that's really important that, that the community should do because that was what I was seeing other people doing. So it, it makes, it makes sense to have someone talk about how you want to define what you're going to do on your site because it belongs to you and you get to make the rules. There's a one tour promotional company who does um, tours for LGBT books, and I get emails from that person maybe 10 times a day. Ditto. I had to, 
I had to create a filter and I don't even look <laughs> at it because it is just too onerous. I did the same thing. <laughs> When you when you get into your Gmail and you're like, oh my gosh, there are five requests from the same person and you filter messages like these, suddenly your inbox is a much cleaner place. It's really frustrating when you have one person email you 10 times a day about different blog tours. That's another thing that we're going to talk about, though, how to um, manage WordPress and how to organize content and then we also have a speaker coming in from wax creative who did the rebuild and redesign of my site to talk about user inter user interface and how to make your site easier for users to navigate because i had been running smart bitches on a different platform before i migrated to wordpress and that platform was really was it started out for bloggers and then it just became a content management system that wasn't really meant to handle things like comments or conversations or even interaction between people it was just sort of meant to be like here's your content no comments needed so it got harder and harder for people to find what they wanted on the site which was really frustrating for me so i had to do a lot of work to figure out how do i want users or readers to come to smart bitches and find other things that they're interested in and how can I do a better job of organizing content so we're going to talk about that and uh, then we're going to have publishers not publishers they're they're a little busy uh, people from sourcebooks Morgan Doremus from sourcebooks Ariel Takna from dream spinner and Aaron Galloway from penguin random house coming to talk about how you work with a publisher and what are their expectations and what do they want from you and what would they like you to do? But what are you not have to do? That's the other thing. I, I've, have you run into people who sort of present an opportunity to have content as, here's the things that you must do in order to have this? Um, I Maybe, but I don't. Um, I Perhaps I'm different from other bloggers, but I never take that as a requirement um, in terms of, I think that my desire for arcs has declined dramatically. And I think that your desire for arcs is pr directly proportional to how burdened you feel by these emails. Okay? So if you don't care whether you get that book, then, then you don't feel, um, I don't feel imposed upon by that email because I'm just going to say no. Um, and there are times, actually, there's a lot of times that, um, there's actually, there's one company I really enjoy working with, Big Honcho Media, and they'll propose, hey, um, we have so-and-so. Well, I'll get, just give you an example. Um, uh, Dorinda Jones has her eighth book coming out, I think, at the end of May. Mm -hmm. And one of my reviewers really liked her book. And there was an opportunity to do an interview with her, a group interview. And I suppose then you would be able to take those questions and answers and put them on your blog. Um, I sent that to my blogger and she just wasn't interested. So I wrote back to Big Honcho Media and I said, hey, I'm sorry, but we're just, I just don't have a response, a positive response for this. So we're going to pass. And she wrote me back and she said, well, how about something different? And I said, well, what? Are you do have in mind? <laughs> and she said, "Well, how about uh, uh, Jones writes a blog post, and here are some different topics. And one of them was, can I read? Um, can I start with book eight? Which I thought was a perfect uh, 
blog topic for readers. So true. Reader-oriented, because that would be my question. You're at book eight and about the same character. I don't think I can start here. Um, So the the blog post is going to be about, you know, why I think you can start with book eight. And so a lot of times I think that you can do one of two things. Don't feel burdened by the fact that these are options that you're being offered and you're not interested in any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, not a requirement. Be, right. Don't be afraid. One thing, I don't think turning down the tour is going to make them not come back to you because I've said no to plenty of opportunities and people have still come back to me. Yep. Um, so there's nothing wrong with being choosy. Uh, there's nothing wrong with going back to the person who's asking you uh, to post things and say, hey, none of these things l- look interesting to me. How about doing something else? Mm-hmm. I think there's also nothing wrong with saying no. So, um, or maybe you want to post your own thing. I think I've done that before. I think I've said, hey, I'm really interested in uh, this book, but none of those topics interest me. We'll just write our own piece. <laughs> um <laughs> So, and, and then over time, I think people um, learn your preferences because I have people who don't ask me to participate in tour, but will ask me if I'm interested in um, doing X, Y, Z, which is something I've done with them in the past. Mm-hmm. For the blog tour owner, obviously that requires much more work for them because they have to keep track of the things that different bloggers enjoy doing. Um, and I think that even though that it takes more work for them, it probably is more effective in the end. But, but, but tour companies that are putting out 20 a day, like that one particular person that we both probably are getting emails from, um, I just don't think it's possible for them to, because they're, you know, trying to move tours in quantity. Yep. Whereas, like, I get an email from Big Hacho Media, like, once a week, if that. I get many re- requests as well, and it's... One thing I found interesting is that many of these um, companies that handle blog tours also handle blog promotion for other products. So I'll get email about things that aren't books, which is really kind of fun because sometimes I'm like, why are you talking to me about this? I don't need a new vacuum cleaner attachment. But then sometimes I get stuff that's really cool. Like last week, I got a pitch for a new product where it's a flip-flop to wear to a pedicure and it already has the toe separators built into the foot of the flip-flop so that you don't have to walk out of the salon with like like a toe separator or bits of tissue between your toes and the little separators have gems on them so you can just wear them to and from and they look kind of cute i was like this is awesome and very much relevant to my interests the the nice thing about interacting with people and saying no thank you or this doesn't work for me or we're going to pass or how about something else is that most of the time, I think they're used to being ignored, which is horrible. But I think most of the time, pitches are greeted with silence. So if you respond in any way about what you're looking for, that definitely helps build a relationship with the person who's managing all of these email messages. And you can kind of tell the difference between someone who's doing a bulk send and then trying to target target your site personally in some way. The easiest way to tell is when they don't put all the email addresses in the BCC field. That's your first giveaway because then there's like 300 email messages at the top of the message. So you kind of know it's a bulk send. But otherwise, it, it, it can really work out well to interact with people who are trying to pitch something because there's a lot of promotion companies out there now, especially for 
books and things having to do with author groups or box sets or big giveaways, that kind of thing. So is there anything that you're particularly looking forward to this year at RT? Are there any panels that you're like, I must attend this, I'm really curious? I haven't attended a panel at RT for, I don't know that I've ever attended a panel at RT. I might have attended one or two um, early on, um, but I go to see my friends and meet up with publishing contacts. And I think that it's a great place to facilitate that. Um, I've gone to parties, like there's always been a ton of parties hosted by different authors. I remember I did Bunko once. Um, I did a party with, um, that was hosted by Lauren Dane and a few of her author friends. That was really fun. All the parties are really fun. I think that the authors do a very good job of entertaining readers and there's tons of freebies, free swag prizes and stuff like that. So, um, for people who haven't gone before, I really encourage them to go to these different parties because uh, that's one place where you'll kind of earn back your registration fee and freebies because these authors are super generous. <laughs> it's so true. My first RT and my first RWA, um, I packed a suitcase and then put the suitcase inside another suitcase and had two suitcases when I got there and put all the books in the smaller one and put my clothes in the slightly larger one. So if you have the opportunity for nesting suitcases, this is a good idea. I have also in the past brought a postage paid large priority mail box and put it uh, in the lid of my suitcase and packed a small roll of packing tape. So when I got all of the stuff, I could just pack it all in the box and ship it to myself. There's always a... Uh, a shipping center somewhere nearby. The hotel usually has one. I know this hotel has a FedEx, but you can also usually find a UPS store or a FedEx store or even a post office near conference hotels because somebody has to ship to and from those places. So you don't have to carry everything home with you, but you will get a lot of stuff if you would like to have a lot of stuff. My other tip for RT is to always, always, always go to the games. If it's bingo or this year I'm in part of I'm part of something called Wheel of Romance, which is games and giveaways and prizes for a solid hour. When I did it last year, every person who walked in left with some sort of prize. And there were gift cards and books and baskets and all kinds of cool stuff. So if it's a game, you should go because one, it's really fun and you meet a lot of people and it's really silly and you're sitting in a room playing bingo. Everyone can play bingo. I don't know how to play bunko, but I'm guessing it's not hard to learn either. It had to do with rolling dice. That's what I remember. Well, then that's not very difficult. So <laughs> no problem. It it seems to me like if you're a newbie, if this is if you've never been to RT, and all of the reviewers who review for me are coming to RT this year. So they have been asking me all of these questions about going to RT. So I have all of this information sort of front and center in my brain. Always go to the games or anything where there's something to do that's fun that everyone is doing. One year, I think it was, um, I think it was Courtney Milan and Tessa Dare and some other authors. This was two years, two or three years ago. They did the game where there's a word behind you on a screen, and whoever's facing you has to get you to say that word. It's like it's like thousand dollar pyramid if you're watching old game show network reruns. 
And all of the terms were romance terms. So it was really fun and very silly. But every person who came in had a really good time and it's very fun. And, and you laugh a lot. The nicest thing about RT, I think, is that people are there to have a really good time talking about books. So there's not a lot of tension. There's not a lot of anxiety. It's very chill and it's very welcoming. So if you've never been, go to the games. You'll meet like 35,000 new people. And then the next time you go to a meal and you walk into the ballroom and you don't know anybody, you're going to know a bunch of people. Or you can try to hook up with them later and go to a meal together. I don't think anyone stays alone and untalked to at RT for more than an hour unless they want to go to their rooms and not be talked to, which is always an option. I mean, I always make a lot of friends when I'm there, which is one of the reasons why it's my favorite conference. I agree. I think that uh, even if you're an introvert, if you feel um, there was, I don't know if you read after, I think it was the New Zealand or Australian Readers Conference, there was a blogger who posted that she felt like no one talked to her. I saw that. Which was terrible because obviously when you are a new person, now this is, this is probably the very worst experience for any person that goes to a conference like this. When you go, you see people greeting each other, talking each, to each other, and you feel awkward and excluded because you don't know anybody. Maybe this is the very first time you've gone, you don't have any reader friends, or you do have reader friends, but they haven't come. And so, but you really want to come to this event because you've heard really good things about it, but you don't, you feel like everybody knows everybody else, but you don't know anybody. I can promise you that if you go up to someone and tell them that this is your first time and RT actually has a badge that says first timer. Yes. So I would encourage you to actually wear that badge. Absolutely reason, wear that ribbon. No question. It's not to designate you or embarrass you in any way, but it's, in, it's to encourage people to come and help you and make sure that you're having a good time because we would totally understand that you are not going to have a good time if you don't feel included. Yep. But um, if you are in the lobby and you see someone that you'd like to talk to, this is really, as long as they're not having a business meeting, and honestly, sometimes that's hard to tell. I'll tell you a funny story. So um, I was at RWA a few years ago, just a couple. It was like, oh, I'd only been blogging a couple of years. And um, the lobby was super crowded. And I saw someone I knew, and she was talking to someone else, but there was a seat right beside her, and there was no other seats anywhere, right? Right. So I go and sit down um, on the chair <laughs> by them. And I, you know, we greeted each other and um, I asked maybe a few questions. They kind of talked a little bit. I just sat in the chair. Later, I found out they were actually having a business meeting because apparently at RWA, they have business meetings everywhere because it's a business <laughs> conference. But I didn't know this at the time. And I don't think I found out about it until like a couple of years later. But I don't think that happens at RT. <laughs> I mean, no. while there are business things going on, I think mostly it's a socialization event. So I don't think that you'll have an, um, the embarrassing faux pas that I did. <laughs> um, no, probably not. But if, but if you're a listener of this podcast and you see Sarah and I, uh, come up and talk to us. We would love to talk to you. Wait, 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 wait. Hold, ho, ho, ho. Are you trying to say that we are two separate individual human beings? We're not the same person? 
because well, we are the same person. Oh shit! I was I you know because I have been changing my wardrobe so that I could be six foot tall. Because normally I'm five three, but as you, I have to be six feet. <laughs> well, no, no, I'm hardly ever over five ten. Oh well, there you go. Well, either way, I'm preparing to to breathe the rare and bl- glorious air of being five ten because we're the same person. <laughs> I had to change my wardrobe because apparently I'm a lot taller. I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but I was waiting in line for for breakfast at RT. I was standing in front of somebody, and the nice thing about RT is if you want to make friends, go wait in a line. You don't even have to care about what the line is for. You don't even have to know what it's for. Just go wait in the line, and someone will start talking to you, and you can start talking to people. I've met a lot of people waiting in line, and while I was in the breakfast line, I started talking to this person who... This might have been actually at RWA now that I think about it, but I can't remember for certain. Either way, the same rule applies. I ended up getting to the front of the line, and I was a party of one, and so was she. So even though I am, I know this is going to sound very strange to people who know me, I'm fundamentally very shy and very introverted, and this was very, very weird for me. I invited her to have breakfast with me so that we'd be a party of two. And I will be completely honest, part of my theory was if we're a party of two, we'll get seated faster and then I could get coffee and breakfast because food is important. So we sat down. I didn't have to think of anything to ask about because we were already in a place where there were things to talk about. So if you're the kind of person who has some social anxiety or doesn't know what to say to somebody they don't know or doesn't know how to start a conversation, it's really easy to do that at RT because there's authors and books and reading and activities and you have this whole buffet of things to talk about. And then if you're having breakfast, there's an actual buffet to eat as well, which is always a bonus. And you make friends really easily because you have so much to talk about. So if you're going to RT or you're thinking of going to RT and you're thinking, I could not handle being in a room full of all of these people I don't know because I'm not going to know what to say to anybody, it's really easy to say, what are you what are you reading? Or what are you really excited about? Or what author are you hoping that you want to meet? Or what are you going to do during the book signing? Who are, you, who are you going to find? Or what are you doing today? There's a lot of things to talk about so that you don't have to feel like you're completely lost and unsure of what to say. But if you go to the parties and the those sorts of things, those will help to break your ice as well. Yes. Um, there's also um, a first timers meet and greet at RT that uh, where you meet other people who are first timers. So try to swallow some of your social anxiety. I know and, that's hard, but you can and do it. <laughs> and introduce yourself if uh, you're feeling a little excluded. And I think that your conference... Um, experience will be much better. I, I really, truly hope that no one has that experience that that poor person had um, at uh, in the other conference. Um, and I understand how that type of anxiety can be paralyzing. Um, but I would really encourage you to try to be a um, try to reach out because I think that there are plenty of people who are going to be there who will reach back for you. Oh, absolutely. I um, I used to play a game at RT. It used to be, this isn't so much true anymore, but it used to be that people would read the RT Twitter hashtag while they were there. I remember this was definitely true at, true at Tools of Change, that people would read the Twitter stream of the conference and actually switch sessions if they thought that someone else's session sounded more interesting than the one they were in. And I don't think people do that as much anymore. 
where they read what's being said about the conference that they're at while they're there. They'll tag what they say, but they don't necessarily go deep diving into the into the hashtag about what, what other people are doing. But in previous years, when people did read the RT hashtag, I would tweet in the morning, come up to me and introduce me and introduce yourself and, you know, say the secret word and I have a prize in my bag for you. This was entirely because I was feeling shy and I, well, I was an asshole and I put the burden of introduction on someone else, but I wanted to introduce myself to people. And like we've talked about in prior podcasts, I'm not always sure of the reception that I'm going to get if I introduce myself. So I figure if someone introduces themselves to me, that would work. And that was that was really easy. So usually I have stickers. If you see me and you want to introduce yourself and you would like a sticker, I have stickers. Come and introduce yourself to me. There I did it again. I put the burden of introduction on someone else because I'm a giant schmuck. But I have stickers and stickers are cool. The other thing is if you are looking for kitchen appliances, like minor kitchen appliances, like chip clips, fridge magnets, go to the goodie room and go to the uh, Promotion Alley. There's also chocolate there. If you're hungry, Promotion Alley usually has candy, gum, Hershey Kisses, individually wrapped chocolates. If you're feeling a little peckish, go there. The thing about RT, though, is that this is a, was it five days? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So four to five day conference full of people who have taken time off work and taken away taken time away from their families and spent money to be in a hotel full of people to talk about books. These are already your people. So if you are scared, you do not have to be because all of these people love the same thing you do. And if you have not met romance readers in person, they are among the most friendly and welcoming people. So if you're coming and you are a little nervous as, as a first timer, I hope this is helpful, and if you see me or you see Jane, definitely introduce yourselves to us, because I promise you, A, we're not the same person. I'm like a foot shorter. I'm like really, I'll stand next to, to Jane. You'll be able to tell I will be the extremely petite one. You can totally introduce yourselves to us, because we would really like to meet you. Am I wrong about that? You are not wrong about that. Especially There's the part nothing. about being a foot shorter. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny, as my daughter's getting taller, and her goal is to be taller than me and I have told her that that will never happen because I wear heels and she doesn't like wear heels she's very she's very much not a, um not into clothes and shoes and so forth um and I said to her that no matter how tall she gets I will always be taller because I can always wear heels taller than her so you know when she's 18 I'll be wearing stilts but I will still be taller than her <laughs> Do you have any books that you would like to talk about, ma'am? Have you read anything good lately? Well, I mean, I, I read The Mistake and uh, by L. Kennedy and The Friend Zone by Kristen Callahan. But um, full disclosure, I beta read those books. And beta rating for both of those include um, them sending me chapters and me sending me where's the rest of it. <laughs> uh, emails back to them. And, <laughs> That's uh, like the worst cliffhanger ever. Um, I do know. I, I halfway through um, when when L con contacted me, it was weird because um, uh, L contacted me earlier this year, or maybe it was a, like you. I my concept of time kind of runs together. Yeah. Like I cannot believe we're almost halfway done with 2015. I can't even barely remember to write 2015. I'm still in 2014. I know. 
So sometime in like 2014 or 2015, you know, uh, Elle emailed me out of the blue, really, because I hadn't had much email com- contact with her other than, you know, sending her emails saying, when is the next SEAL book coming out? Because I really need something to read. <laughs> um, and she said, hey, uh, would you be interested in, or, or would you beta read um, this book? I wrote a new adult book. I think, you know, everybody knows I love new adults, so that she must have come to me because of that. And I don't read beta read for people. Um, it, people, I think, are afraid of me or um, afraid of my com- contacts or, or, or what I might say about it, or they think I won't do it. Either one. I, have n- I, I don't think I've ever been asked before, or maybe once before. I can't remember. So this was my first experience, and I was like, well, sure, but I don't know what I can do for you. Can I just say I like it or don't like it? <laughs> um, so she sent me, like, I can't, it wasn't even very much. It was like three chapters or something like this. And I was like, if you don't send me more right now, I'm never going to answer another email. <laughs> and it was, um, I really loved the, uh, um, the deal. I thought it was so funny. And the characters are really genuine. So, um, you know, the funny thing about the story, too, of the deal is that Elle wasn't going to publish this. She, um, she kind of wrote it as a lark. Uh, and she just didn't think that anyone else was going to like it. And I thought, you're crazy. And um, between me and her friend Vivian Arends, who's an, another author, they, they actually co-write a matchmaker series uh, featuring former military guys. Um, and between me and her, we convinced Elle to publish this. And obviously, it's been hugely successful. And the second one just came out. And it's just as funny. There's a scene, oh my god, I'm probably spoiling it a little bit. But there's a scene in which uh, the girl... Um, the heroine, uh, Logan is the hero, and he's trying to win her back. And she has this long list of things that he has to do in order to, for him to prove to her that he's serious because he's quite the player, and she doesn't think that he's serious. So she has this big, long list of things. Include One of them is um, writing a, po- a love poem for her. And that <laughs> scene is hilarious because, um, let me see if I can find it, and I'll read a little bit of it to you because it's... He's terrible at it. And then his friend, the, the, the hockey guys that he lives with, um, they, they find it. Uh, they find out about the poem and then they mock him it, and try to help him at the same time. <laughs> okay, so he's like, um, so this is uh, uh, Logan. What rhymes with insensitive? I tap my pen on the kitchen table beyond frustrated with my current task who knew rhyming was so effing difficult garrett who's dicing onions at the counters glances over sensitive he says helpfully (laughs) yes g i'll be sure to rhyme insensitive with sensitive gold star for you on the other side of the kitchen tucker finishes loading the dishwasher and turns to frown at me what the hell are you doing over there anyway you've been scribbling on that notepad for the past hour I'm writing a love poem, I answer without thinking. Then I slam my lips together, realizing what I've done. Dead silence crashes over the kitchen. Garrett and Tucker exchange a look, an extremely long look. Then perfectly synchronized, their heads shift in my direction, and they stare at me as I've, 
as if I've just escaped from a mental institution, I may as well have. There's no other reason why I'm voluntarily writing poetry right now. And that's not even the craziest item on Grace's list. Um, so uh, it goes on. Um, I have, I just have one question, Garrett starts. Really, Tuck says, because I have many. <laughs> Sighing, I put my pen down. Go ahead, get it out of your systems. Garrett crosses his arms. This is for a chick, right? Because if you're doing it for funsies, then that's just plain weird. It's for grace, I reply through clenched teeth. My best friend nods solemnly. Then he keels over, asshole. I clutch, I scowl as he clutches his side, his broad back shuddering with each bellowing laugh. And even while racked with laughter, he manages to pull his phone from his pocket and start typing. What are you doing, I grumble. Texting Wellesley. She needs to know this. I hate you. I'm so busy glaring at Garrett that I don't notice that Tucker, what Tucker's up to until it's too late. He snatches the notepad from the table, studies it, and hoots loudly. Holy shit, gee, he rhymed jackass with Cutlass. <laughs> <laughs> cutlass, Garrett wheezes like the sword. The car, I muttered. I was comparing her lips to this cherry red Cutlass I felt fixed up when I was a kid, drawing on my own experience, that kind of thing. So then it goes on about... They try to help him write a better poem, and it's really terrible. <laughs> Kristen Callahan's uh, friend zone came out or comes out tomorrow, and that is um, a super funny book too. Very, very um, lots of intensity um, without consummation, which is kind of a fun. You know, there's a lot of heat and tension that arises from the fact that they don't get together right away, which is nice. Um. So those are two books that I really enjoyed. Um, but I've really been struggling right now finding something good to read. I bought, did you buy the um, Orphan Pearl? It's by Erin Sadie. Remember, we both really liked her ink story. Yes, I did buy it. I haven't started it. Did you start it? No. See, what is wrong with us? Like, we both really like this. I'm, like, questioning what where my mind is right now because um, I really liked her uh, story and for some reason I haven't read it yet. I haven't even opened it. Kelly Jamison's has a hockey series, The Heller Brothers, and I bought one at 99 cents uh, face off and enjoyed that. And then I went on to buy One Man Advantage, and I really like the One Man Advantage. I would recommend that one. What kind of uh, a conflict is that one? One Man Advantage is okay. So the heroine is a works in the public relations department of the Minnesota NHL team, the Caribou. Her father is like Wayne Gretzky, not Wayne Gretzky, obviously right. some other fake name, but it's a hockey legend. And her brother plays hockey, and she's dated a few hockey guys. And the story opens with her ex boyfriend um, saying. Uh, being asked, how do you feel about your ex-girlfriend dating a former teammate? And he says um, something like, she should just date more than one of them at a time so she doesn't take so long going through the team or something like that. It's super insulting, makes her out to be this big whore. And so she decides she's not going to date another hockey guy, of course. Um, uh I can't remember his name now, but the third Heller brother comes, gets traded all of a sudden to her caribou team and they have this instant attraction and he falls for her. Like he 
falls for her immediately and thinks that she's the one for him. But she feels like she can't date a hockey guy. And so ultimately she says, look, I'll have a relationship with you, but I'm not telling anybody about it. <laughs> and she he didn't like that either. <laughs> but um, I liked kind of how everyone stood up for her. Her friends stood up for her. Her brother stood up for her. Um, and, you know, the person who insulted her was really viewed as viewed poorly by everybody, by the team, by the other hockey players. Um, so it was really her kind of internalizing this um, shame that she had, partly because she felt like she was never good enough for her parents. Mm -hmm. um, and I, so I, I kind of liked that dynamic, and I thought that he was super sweet, and I liked her. Her name was Nicole, I think. Cool. But the, but the Jameson series is like kind of low angst, um, very sexy and likable people. Like the Heller brothers are all like very likable and the family's super likable. No dead parents in these books. Isn't it cool when a character has a supportive family that is that functions as a supportive normal family? Yeah. Did you read The Shameless Hour? No, you don't read Serena. Yeah, you do read Serena Bullock. I have not read The Shameless Hour. The Shameless Hour, I had some problems with it. Um, but I really, but I did like it, and I really kind of appreciated Bowen was doing with that character because like, Bella was a woman who had, you know, slept around in the past, and um, but her, her, the hockey team was really supportive of her. I did not feel like the hero was strong enough for her until the very end. Because I really felt like she needed a particular kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And he didn't show me to be that kind of guy until the very end of the book. And while I liked the Rafe, the hero, and his family and his storyline, I didn't feel like he was a good match for her. Huh. Ultimately, I did at the end. But in the beginning, I didn't. Uh, and I don't know if that was my own problem. or Because other people liked it a, a lot more than I did. It's funny because, you know, I'm not a big MM reader, but I, my favorite book by Bowen is The Understatement of the Year. Mm -hmm. you've, you've mentioned it. You've, you've not read that one, though. I have not. You read the one with, that I didn't like, the one where I felt like I had to make the MRA argument. <laughs> yes, coming in from the cold. Because <laughs> as usual, we don't agree on anything. Did you read then the second book about his friends? No, I didn't. I didn't. I... What was weird? Wasn't there something weird about the release of that book? Like it was part of an anthology and then it wasn't. And then that line stopped and then the book came out independently that she published it. There was something weird about that, that story's release, I think. That's exactly what happened. Um, it was in an anthology. Right. <laughs> and, it was Harlequin E. And then right. they stopped doing that. And so she got the rights back and then she re-released -re those two books. Right. And that's a shameless hour. And I'm not sure exactly what she has coming up, but I'm excited. She's such a good writer. I read Overruled by Emma Chase. Did you read that book? Nope. Oh. Tell me about it. That's not <laughs> a good so noise. Whoa, crap. <laughs> Emma Chase is super good at writing the male point of view. And she's so readable. Like, um, she's just very entertaining. 
But the story that she told in Overruled just like drove me crazy. Um, it, the hero is Stanton and the story opens with his, um, him getting his high school sweetheart, Jenny, pregnant. And he has a, a scholarship to go to Columbia. And she, he says, no, I'm going to give that up and I'm going to stay here and help you raise a kid. And she's like, no, you are going to go to Columbia. You're going to fulfill your dream of being this lawyer. And I'm going to raise this kid. And we're, this, is, this is how it's going to be. And so he goes off. And then she has a baby and she tells him, hey, I don't want you to feel um, tied to me. You need to go and, and um, live your life however way it is, you know, you can be with other people um, and I'm going to be okay with that. Ultimately, she's not okay with that, obviously. But um, Jenny is not the heroine of the story. <laughs> huh. It's Sophia, this girl that she, he has this um, casual, it's a lawyer she wor he works with and um, so 10 years later, he gets a wedding invitation to Jenny's wedding. And he's furious because Jenny is his girl. And all these other women, including Sophia, are just women he sleeps with. And even though he lives in Washington, D.C., and um, she lives in Mississippi. Huh. Jenny lives in Mississippi with their kid. And one of the things that really bothered me is that Stanton thought he was a good dad because he Skypes with his daughter. And he sees her occasionally. I'm like, uh, okay. No. Uh, yeah. Like, I felt like Stanton wanted cookies for being, for Skyping regularly with his kid. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Sorry. No. Uh, no, you don't get any cookies for that. You're, you're a jerk. That's, I mean, that he, there are, there are lawyer jobs in Mississippi. There are lots of lawyer jobs in Mississippi, you know? So I felt like he was a selfish jerk and he never, there's never any acknowledgement of that. There's one part in the story where he's like, where his daughter is telling him, hey, I, there were times that I wish that you were back here and with me. And he's like, wow, really? You never said anything. I'm like, oh my God. Everything Stanton did drove me up the wall. That does not sound like a book that would work for me. I have a book to cautiously recommend to you. Oh, lay it on me because I'm anxious. Okay. Well, you know, I don't like recommending books to you because we don't like the same thing. So I'm going to describe this as neutrally as I can and see if you're interested. Okay. So in this book, um, it's a sort of childhood friends to lovers story the hero and heroine grew up in a rather bad part of town and she has always had a massive crush on him. And the one night where she thinks that he's finally noticed her, that he's finally noticed her as something beyond his, you know, former friend's younger sister that he hangs out with a lot. She thinks, Oh, he's finally noticed me. He, she thinks, okay, we're finally going to, change the way our relationship works she finds out the next morning that that night he ran off and joined the armed forces and is just gone and she's like what the fuck you left me and i have very little here and you were my best friend and you ran away what the hell is wrong with you five years later 
he comes back. This book sounds so familiar. I wonder if I've already read it. So (laughs) five years later, he comes back and she has elevated herself through a lot of hard work from the really crappy part of town where she was working in a bakery to being the second in command of a very exclusive um, chocolate shop. And he comes back and he's like, I did all of this for you. And she's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I didn't ask you to. This is the Laura Florin book. Yes. Did you already read this? No, but I bought it. But I, rem- but I, when you were telling me the backstory, I'm like, wow, I've read that. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> this really worked for me because a lot of the conflict was what it was internal conflict that was between them. So he could not accept that who he was as a teenager and as a young 21-year-old was worthy of her. And she was like, why do you not understand that I liked you then and I liked you now and you keep doing these things without telling me and that's really awful. You don't get it. So they have this barrier to understanding each other that I thought, okay, this, is, this isn't going to hold up for more than a couple chapters and then something else is going to happen that's external and annoying to continue the conflict. But that's not what happened. The, their inability to explain themselves fully continues in ways that are, for me, were totally believable and logical. They were younger. They were not very smart about being grown-ups. They didn't know how to adult, as Redheaded Girl says. And when he comes back, they have to work out how they've changed, and they have to work out his inability to appreciate who he was, even though he appreciates her at every stage of her life. I really, really liked it. And, of course, now that I've said all this, you're probably thinking, nope, nope, not for me. Nope, 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 nope. Well, I have never read Florand. I've tried a couple times, and I've never made it very far. Um, But I keep saying... I, I'm going to read her. So maybe this is the book. You know, you should. I There are a couple titles of hers that really don't work for me. Really, really don't. Like the, one of them was The Chocolate Heart and one of them was The Chocolate Thief. In both cases, I thought the heroine was really presumptuous and had a sense of entitlement that I found really offensive. But that's sort of part of their character. I just... I, I couldn't get into those, but I loved the chocolate kiss and I really liked the chocolate rose. Um, and chocolate temptation was pretty good too. This one I really, really liked because the way that their conflicts with each other sort of, they're, they're paralleled and mirrored in really interesting ways. And I think Florin does a lot of really interesting things with the whole idea of the hero, uh, the hero being the hero. What does it mean to be someone's hero? And do you get to define that? Or does the person who sees you get to define that? And do you get to argue with how they see you? And it was really very smart. And I hope if you read it, you, A, I hope you like it because we never like the same things. And B, I hope you read it. I hope you'll tell me what you think. All right. Well, I have it on my list. And it's not like I don't want to read it. It's like I have that Aaron Sadie book and I want to read it. I I feel like I'm not in the right mood. And you want to be in the right mood when you read a book that you like or when you when you are going to read a book from an author that you like because you want to enjoy the experience, right? Absolutely. You don't want to, 
So, because um, there's always people who say, well, do you, don't you, are you picking books you don't like to read? Or why are you reading this book? You said you didn't like that author before. But the fact of the matter is, I think every reader um, wants to enjoy the book that they're going to read. Like when I picked up Overruled by Emma Chase, I was really hopeful. You know, yep. there's no, there, there's no, um, hate uh, reading. Right. You end, I think you end up hate reading. You know what I mean? Like you're starting the book and you're like, oh, well, I have to finish it now. How angry am I going to get? <laughs> so, but I don't think that you pick up the book with that intention. Sometimes I do. I, um, <laughs> I, um, I will only hate read a book if it's only a handful of pages. Like if I know something is going to be completely ridiculous and horrible and, and like, you know, pounded by the gay color changing dress, I am hopeful that that's going to be entertaining. I'm not hopeful that it's going to be good. But I don't, I don't embark on hate reading something unless it's really short and it's set up for people to be like, what the hell is this? Such as pounded by the gay color changing dress. I'm like you, everything that I'm trying to read, I want to enjoy. And I have been, I don't know, I think, there's, I think there's a reading slump going around. Like I, it took me forever to find a book that I wanted to read. And then I enjoyed. You know what I mean? Well, I do know I'm going to enjoy this Aaron Sadie book. Well, at least I hope I do. But I want to be in the right mood. And I don't want to be in a um, uh, a mood that's going to affect my pleasure of enjoyment of that book. So I think what I'm doing is waiting for a time in which I'm, you know, I'm pretty busy these days. And so I only have short amounts of time to read. And I think that part of my... Like Erin C, I think she's such a smart writer that I want to be in a, I don't want to be half asleep when I start it. Yep. <laughs> or I don't know. It's weird. I was thinking about that when, um, before the podcast about how I was going to have to talk about books that I had been reading. And that was one that I want to be reading, but for some reason haven't tapped on it. Well, I always find that if there's something I know I'm really looking forward to reading, I want to devote myself to just reading it. And I don't want to be interrupted. There's not a lot of time in my life where I can only do one thing. Like, that's why I save certain books for airplanes, because I want to be completely absorbed in the book and forget that I'm sitting in a plane for three or four hours. So it's, it's, sometimes it's, it's a question of not wanting to be interrupted, but I do know exactly what you mean. And that is all for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. It is really weird to delay reading a book because you want to enjoy it and you're not sure you're in the mood to really enjoy something. Does that happen to you? Totally happens to us. If you have feedback or you want to say, yes, that totally happens to me, you can email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. You can also email us if you have suggestions or you have ideas or you have a book you'd like to recommend to one of us. Probably not both of us because we never like the same things. It's really weird. This podcast was brought to you by Intermix, publisher of Chanel Clayton's Flirting with Scandal, the first novel in a brand new series set in Washington, D.C., starring three sisters, the secrets they keep, and a powerful blog with a knack for exposing scandals. You can download it on May 19th. 
The music you're listening to was provided by Sassy Outwater. You can find her on Twitter at Sassy Outwater. This track I have used before, but I like it a lot. It's called Dragons, and it's by a Parisian group called Caravan Palace. You can find their album on iTunes, and you can find the band on MySpace or Facebook, but MySpace is where everyone needs to be, right? I mean, obviously. Future podcasts will include me and the entire Smart Bitches Posse at RT talking about RT. And if you see me or one of us or Jane or both of us, please, if you're at RT, please come up and introduce yourself because we would really love to meet you. I'm the short one. <laughs> the really short one when I stand next to Jane because she always wears heels. In the meantime, on behalf of Jane and myself, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend. Bye.